Hi there, I'm Andy, a moon chasing, manifesting, wander lover, and feel good aficionado. Consider me your woo woo best friend. This show is a sacred space for ideas, concepts, and modalities that might be considered taboo, but that I personally find a great magic in. In these conversations, my mission is to inspire confidence, worth, and mystical thinking in our modern world. Let's get into it, shall we? Hello, hello. We are back. It's me, Andy. We are here in episode six, and today's episode is going to be a solo episode. So it will be me coming at you through your headphones or however you might be listening to this episode. And I hope you all are doing wonderfully well. We're going into this spring season. We've entered into the astrological new year. We've just come through the spring equinox into this fiery, juicy season of Aries, and it really feels a bit like a celebration. We came out of the end of the astrological year in Pisces season. Pisces is a water sign. It's a sign of deep intuition and empathy. Its ruling planet is Neptune. And I don't know if you've been feeling this too, but I certainly felt like coming out of the end of winter, I really was kind of digging deep into that side of me, that intuitive side, that empathic side, and going into this new season of Aries, this new astrological new year. The reason we call it actually the astrological new year is because Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. So it's really the new year in the zodiac space. So when I think about this particular time going into Aries season, going into the spring, it's really a time to begin to courageously move with power, with confidence into a place of lighting up that inner fire within you and really going for whatever it is that you want in this life. And I like to think about coming through the end of winter, the end of Pisces season as a time to really kind of consider going deep into the earth, going deep inside yourself, planting those seeds, and then moving into this new spring season allowing everything that you've planted, everything that you've watered, everything that you've cultivated to really begin to grow. And so to me, it's really a time of joy and happiness. And a lot is changing. A lot has been changing every single day, every single week, every single month of this last 12 months. But I think that we're starting to see some light really come through in a new way. Today's episode. I'm going to spend some time on the concept of the shadow, and I'm also going to talk about spiritual bypassing today. So if you're not familiar with those terms, I'll get into what those terms are. And I don't know, I find it a little bit interesting that these are the topics that really came to mind for me as we're moving into the light of spring that I wanted to talk about this darkness. But I think that no matter no matter what the light is shining 
how the light is shining in terms of the season, there's always this undercurrent of dark that we have to address. And we've had some really, really strong and horrific reminders of that this past week with the attacks on the AAPI community. And I think that no matter what is happening in terms of beautiful new energies to come, we always have to be addressing the darkness. And there's darkness that lives within all of us. I've always been someone who has been a practitioner of the light and the dark equally. I have never been someone who is a love and light type of person. And not that I am not gracious about someone saying or grateful when someone says to me, love and light. I certainly appreciate receiving that sort of energy. I just am the type of person that I find that I have to really connect into the dark in order to crack through into the light. And it's probably just where I come from, my experience in life. And I had a, a an, enough trauma growing up and in my younger years that I certainly found that my highest purpose and my approach to living really was able to be unveiled and was able to be revealed to me in a very kind of a special way when I had to experience darkness, then I was able to see the light. So with all that said, that is really one of the reasons I want to spend some time on the shadow today. I also want to mention, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day about this word that's in my the title of my show, the word woo-woo. And I want to be really clear that for me, the practices that I share on this show are not hokey. They are not, they are not parlor tricks. I want every person to have the same opportunity that I have had to step into the mystical, to step into wellness, to step into a holistic way of living, and to do that freely and unafraid to give it a try. And a part of my thinking in the name of this show, and I want to just mention where the, where the word woo-woo comes from, the origin of the word dates back to the 50s. The sound woo-woo was actually an analogy to that eerie electromagnetic sound of the theremin. It's an instrument. And you, you can probably hear it in your mind. It's that sound when you're watching like an old scary movie and it's like, you know. Yep, that's the sound I'm talking about right there. So that is where the word comes from. And then it started to become a phrase used to describe folks that were engaging in new age and mystical practices. And for me, I have found over time that the mystical space, the wellness space, the holistic living space can be rather exclusive. And what I, what I mean by that is that it's not always been welcoming to all people. And that really doesn't sit well with me. So whether you find 
these practices to be something you just want to dabble in or explore, or whether these practices are a way of living for you, I want you to feel comfortable to come into these conversations no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what your expertise is. And you may have had the type of experience where you go to a yoga class and you're like, here, here's an experience for me. I remember going to my first hot yoga class. It was a Bikram-style yoga class. I was definitely wearing the wrong thing. And I, halfway through class, well, when I walked in the door, the teacher asked me, had I practiced Bikram yoga before? I had not. I just signed up for it on ClassPass and was excited to go try it out. And I immediately got a vibe when I walked into that class that this was an exclusive space. And that really made me nervous. I, I did not love that experience. Who would? I realized I was wearing the wrong thing. I was wearing kind of like a baggy yoga pant, you know, the kind that like really allows for like freedom of movement. And if you've been in a Bikram class, it's not really the best pants for that particular style of yoga. So here I was like sweating my ass off in these like loose pants that were now like drenched in water and like dragging me down. And about halfway through the class, I just had to lay on my mat the rest of the class and just try to like make it through. And I really felt like I didn't belong. And I went back again the next week and I wore the right pants and I like, you know, kind of started to find my way into the practice because I did want to experience the, what I had heard to be such magical benefits of this particular style of hot yoga. And I I found my way. And it really occurred to me in that moment that there's, that that's one of the examples of how wellness and These types of practices can sometimes feel a bit like if you don't know, you don't know. And I really want this show to be a place where you can come and hear about things. On last week's episode, we talked about the birthing process and Carson's new venture into becoming a doula. If that's something you want to know about, if that's something that you're interested in and you really don't know who to ask, I want you to have an opportunity to come to this show and get some information. And our our second episode with Jalisa, we talked about channeling and clairvoyance and clairaudience and those types of knowings. And if that's something you want to explore, I want you to come here and have an opportunity to explore that. And by no stretch of the imagination do I think that any of these practices are hokey or parlor tricks. I just wanted to be clear about that. I find that in my space, in my website, my blog, my courses, the things that I offer, I have a lot of people that are beginners. And I want to give all people especially beginners, a place where they can say, hey, that feels a little woo-woo, but I'm in for it and I want to come check it out. And I will always, my commitment is to always honor the practices, to honor the ancient wisdom, to honor the lineages, and invite all people into the experience. Even if you're a skeptic, even if you believe something to be a bit woo, I want you to show up and give it a good look. So, You're never going to hear me being skeptical of a practice because I believe that we all have a path and we all have a way and our way might be different for each of us. The way will definitely, not even might be, the way will definitely be different for each of us. And the practices that I'm into today are really different from the practices I was into five years ago or four years ago. 
or when I was a teenager just trying to find my way in a really dark time in my life. So I just wanted to mention that before we get into this conversation about shadow and this conversation about spiritual bypassing. Okay, so we're going to talk about shadow, what it is, how you work with shadow, what happens when we ignore the shadow, and really some good strategies around incorporating and accepting the shadow we each have within us as we work to be the best version of ourselves. I think I really love this topic so much because I definitely, in my teenage years, went through a time period in which I felt like I spent a lot of time in the shadow. The shadow is the dark side of our personality. It consists chiefly of that primitive human emotion that can sometimes be seen as really negative. It's those impulses like rage, envy, greed, selfishness, desire, a striving for power. And it's really anything that's incompatible with our chosen conscious attitude about ourself. It's the stuff that gets relegated to the dark side. Every young child knows kindness, love, generosity, compassion, but every young child also expresses anger, selfishness, and greed. We're all born with this duality within us. So, when we're, when we're young children and we're being told it's not right to be angry, it's not right to be greedy, it's not right to be selfish, we really start to pack this stuff deep down inside of our being and we don't face it or we don't address it because it's considered quote-unquote bad. These emotions are part of our shared humanity. And as we grow up, something happens. Those traits that are associated with being good are accepted. And those traits that are associated with being bad are rejected. And as the poet Robert Bly says in A Little Book of the Human Shadow, the child puts all of these unwanted parts into an invisible bag and drags it behind him. So just envision that for a moment. You're this young young kid. You're having a moment you're feeling a little jealous about something someone else has on the playground. You express that through anger towards maybe your mother when you get in the car, when she picks you up from school that afternoon, and you are are basically told to suck it up, that no, we can't all have what other kids have, and your anger is unwarranted, and that this is a bad behavior. So you take that and you pack it in this bag and now hold this vision for a second. You're now going on with your day, carrying this bag behind you. And every time that happens, you pack some more stuff into this bag. We are so, so weighed down by the time we even become teenagers and most definitely by the time we become adults. So what happens when we really pack this stuff in and we ignore the shadow? The ancient Greeks understood the need to honor all parts of our psyche. For them, these parts were worshipped as autonomous gods and goddesses. The Greeks knew that a god or goddess you ignored 
became the very goddess or God who turned against you and could potentially destroy you. For us, we, in today's times, in our modern society, we don't pay attention to the parts of us that could destroy us. Any part we disown within us will inevitably turn against us. The personal shadow that we all carry represents a collection of these disowned parts. Whatever qualities we deny in ourselves, then what happens next when we deny it in ourselves? Can you guess? Well, we start to see it in others. In psychology, it's called projection. So what happens is we've got this bag of stuff. We're ignoring it completely. And then we begin to project out onto others that stuff that's in that bag. So, for example, if you've ever noticed that maybe there's somebody at work and there's just something about them that just kind of gets on your nerves and you just really don't want to be around them, spend a little time looking in the mirror and see what parts of them that really annoy annoy you are actually maybe hanging out in that bag, that bag of disowned parts of you. Or maybe somebody's rude to you and it really gets under your skin. Like you can't just blow it off. You can't just walk away from it. It's a good bet that you probably haven't owned your own rudeness if that's what's going on. If it wasn't in your shadow, somebody else's rudeness at the grocery store or while you're at the coffee shop or wherever it happens, it wouldn't bother you so much. You'd just be like, well, that was weird. And you'd go on with your day. This process doesn't happen consciously. We aren't aware of our projections most of the time. It takes some real work to start to to look at it and go, oh, wait, I'm projecting there. There are some really great resources I am going to share in the show notes that have been incredibly helpful to me as I've done this shadow work. There's a couple books that I'm going to share. I love Debbie Ford's The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. I also love the website of Scott Jeffrey. He has a company called CEO Sage, and he has a definitive guide to Jungian shadow work, how to get to know and integrate your dark side. So I'll leave those in the show notes, and I really encourage you to check out those resources. For me, as I considered shadow, when I first started to have this awareness of what shadow really is, and I considered those bad behaviors, here's the ones that I found that I leaned into. And this is, this is hard to talk about, you guys. That's, that's also owning your shadow means that you can talk about these things and and share experiences in a way in which it's like, yeah, that was a part of me. And now I've integrated it and incorporated it into who I am. And I'm no longer embarrassed or triggered or or just feel bad when I share these stories. So knowing that it's it's a little hard to talk about for me means I'm still working through what this stuff might be. So a bad behavior might be binging. That's one I certainly found myself leaning into. I shared in our last episode my experience with disordered eating. For most of that time period, I was someone who was repressing my relationship with food. I wasn't I wasn't eating. And then I did go through some periods where I 
I went through some binging episodes, food binging specifically. I also had a shadow behavior in which there was a part of my time in which I, as a teenager, was stealing. And that is really horrible to think about now. But what happens is when we deny that we have the ability to demonstrate these types of behaviors and we relegate them into our dark side and we tell ourselves ourselves stories about blame and shame and pity and that why we why we are doing these things is someone else's fault perhaps which is certainly what was going on with me that's just packing it further into the shadow side for me the most important qualities that i've had to work to cultivate in myself to get through this shadow work process and to integrate these behaviors into who i am and accept that that's how i acted out during really difficult times i've had to cultivate grace softness, patience with myself, an understanding that impermanence is a part of the life process. Impermanence for me was a big lesson. And the process requires the opposite of what we've all been programmed to do when faced with tough decisions. It feels natural to tense up or get defensive or get angry when something is not going our way. Instead, if we can consider compassion, acceptance, and self-love, that's how we start to work through these shadow experiences. So here's really the steps to begin to work through shadow. First, you have to acknowledge your shadow self. You have to acknowledge that you, you are capable of doing some things or exhibiting behaviors that you're not proud of. And here's some questions that could help you to begin. The first question is, what am I most afraid of finding out about myself? The second question, what's the most horrific lie, the worst lie I've ever told myself? And then what's the biggest lie I've ever told someone else? What's the worst thing I've ever done? Now, consider this. If there's something that if someone found it out about you, you feel like you would be ruined, that's, that's the shadow stuff right there. For me, knowing that when I was a 15-year-old kid, I would go to the mall and steal CDs, that's a pretty horrific thing to acknowledge that I, in fact, did feels really ugly and really terrible and that was that was my acting out in relationships when i was in my younger years my 20s especially i i could tell a lie and not be super concerned about what that lie really meant or how it impacted the person that was on the receiving end of that lie now integrity is one of my core values and i think that Integrity is so important to me because I was able to recognize that I had had this shadow in which I was able to tell a lie pretty straight-faced as a young adult. And I don't I don't want to live with that shadow being an outward projection of who I am every day. I want to be a person who acts with integrity. And then the last question is 
What am I most ashamed of and myself? And this stuff will be hard to work through. But the intention is to become aware. This is not about judgment. The intention is to see yourself for who you truly are. The good, of course, but also the bad and ugly. For me, the acknowledgement happened when I was in a seminar. It was a program called the Landmark Forum. This was way past my 20-year-old years. I was in my 30s. I'm in this forum, in this seminar called The Forum, and I was asked to make a list of all the bullshit stuff I had done in my life. And man, that list was ugly. It felt terrible. Reading back through it, I couldn't believe the stuff that was on the list, and I couldn't believe that it was, in fact, stuff that I had done. But here's the thing about uncovering your shadow. Once you begin to accept that this stuff is all a part of what makes you up, you can start to create a brand new reality filled up with stuff that you're really proud to have as a part of your being. And let's get real. Everybody has done bullshit stuff. Everybody has stuff that they have done that they are not proud of. So there's no judgment. It's really just about acknowledging and accepting and beginning to move forward. So after you've answered those questions, I'd suggest that you reread the answers to those questions and use that as your place to begin. Consider the places in your life in which you've considered yourself a victim and perhaps use that as a place to begin. Being a victim often means that we are approaching life from a place in which our world is happening around us or outside of us, not because of us. It's giving someone or something else power over you. And often this, this idea of victimhood begins for us when we're incredibly young. I want you to consider that you can live in a world that happens because of you, not to you. And it doesn't mean that the awful things that may have occurred in your life, if you were abused, if you were assaulted, or something worse, that those things were your fault. That is certainly not what I'm saying by any stretch. But we have the opportunity to decide what happens after that, what our world looks like after that. And I think that that's an important thing to consider. When I think back to that 15-year-old shoplifting experience, I'll tell you a little bit more about it and how it kind of, how I got there and how I justified it. So I was 15 And I was really employing victim thinking. So my victim thinking was that I was in a position in which my parents had done some things that put me in a place where I was much lesser than the kids around me. So a friend of mine, she and I, 
this one summer, we'd go to the mall and we'd come home with CDs and sometimes clothing that we acquired with that five-finger discount. And let me tell you, everything in my life pointed to me being a complete goody two-shoes. On the outside, I was. I got straight A's. I was on the cheerleading team. I was in the student council. I was doing all of the things that said that I was a really, quote-unquote, good girl. But honestly, my shadow self was doing some pretty fucked up things. And my justification was that I was a victim of the judgment that comes with having a single mother. I told myself that because my mom had a limited financial ability and couldn't support her teenage daughter and keeping up with my friends that had families with much larger bank accounts, that I needed that stuff to fit in. I justified that because my dad, who I'd always looked to as the one that created wealth in our family because he because he had left the family, that I was no longer going to be someone that could have wealth. And so that was going to lead to an experience of me not fitting in and not belonging. And so I justified that I was the victim of my parents' actions, my mother's position, her financial position. And so I needed to do what I needed to do to fit in. Logically, I knew it was incredibly wrong. And perhaps there was even a mild awareness within me that belonging began with me belonging to myself first. But my shadow self saw my mother struggle and heard her say things like she was going to need to get a second job if I was going to have clothing to fit in with the in crowd. We were very much a goodwill crew. And so my thought was, well, rather than asking my mom to go have to get a second job just so I can fit in with the cool kids and to not have to wear goodwill clothes, I'll, I'll steal a few things. And if I want to have some cool CDs so that I've got the cool music and know what the music is and can talk about what the music is, I'll just go get those myself. My shadow self was very good at pretending that this sort of behavior was status quo. When I think about the words that show up, when I consider the shadow self version of me, the words are damaging, desperate, chaos-creating, troublemaking, and crazy. There was a lot of years in which I acted out those words when something wasn't going my way or when I felt under attack or when I felt that I was in a victim sort of experience. Desperate chaos-creating, troublemaking, and crazy. And on the outside, here I was, this goody two-shoes. But then I was doing things in the dark that aligned with those words. Recognizing that there's a bit of that deep within me, creating an awareness that I am capable of damaging and desperate behavior or that I am capable of creating chaos or making trouble 
or being a bit crazy, that's how the awareness begins. I encourage you to consider those questions that I shared with you a few moments ago and really look at your answers. Ask yourself, was I completely honest with myself? And in the spirit of patience and grace, perhaps revisit those questions tomorrow or the next day or the next week. There's no rush in the process of shadow work. It starts with getting okay with knowing that there are all spectrums of human behavior within each of us. And we've entered into this age of Aquarius now. There's a new collective consciousness on the horizon. And for us to truly take beautiful care of one another, it's going to take each of us doing this sort of work to address the darkness within us, to become beings of light that are willing to go out and do right in the world. The second phase of shadow work is acceptance. I've learned that once you've acknowledged your shadow, you can really start to move forward. And this is a personal acknowledgement and personal acceptance, but it works on the collective consciousness as a whole as well. We each have to do this work individually to raise up the collective. As you carry your shadow forward into phase two, into this phase of acceptance, remember to give yourself some serious space, grace, love, and extra care. And here's what I personally am seeing going down right now. Women are acknowledging, accepting, and straight up owning their shadows like never before. And the more we do it, the more the power in us will rise. It's really hard to be held down when you can't be shamed. It's hard to be held down when you can't be belittled or humiliated. Once you've acknowledged and accepted, that you have a dark side. And in my example, I wanted to fit in so badly that I resorted to the point of thievery. When you acknowledge and accept that you, in fact, can behave that way, something powerful begins to happen. Your awareness begins to catch your shadow in the act. So for me, when an insecurity arises, I can look at it dead on and consider what might show up that could convince me to step into a grown-up version of that 15-year-old shadowy, chaos-creating behavior. And a part of acceptance is catching the subconscious mind before it goes somewhere dark. So before you say, well, yeah, Sandy, but you're a logical, rational human being and wouldn't consider stealing now, think of it this way. If stealing was how I acted out as a teenager, what might be a way I could act out as an adult using my logical, rational mind. Think about all of the ways that small lines of integrity might be crossed or even big lines of integrity. So an example might be, have you ever personally or known someone to take something home from the office supply closet that wasn't yours? Or have you ever noticed that you weren't charged for something 
in the coffee shop and you kept going versus turning back and going to pay for that croissant that was left off your bill. In the world that I work in presently, I see an integrity boundary being crossed all the time. People doing things to fit in or look better, for example, on social media. Social media is a big one. And that's, that's, there's an integrity boundary that is being crossed when you're doing something just to fit in. Here's a few other examples of how a grown person with a rational, logical mind might exhibit shadowy behaviors. Cheating on a partner. It's such an ugly one. And there's all sorts of reasons that we might blame the partner for why we're cheating. But cheating is a shadow behavior. Gossiping about a friend. If you have that brunch partner, that friend that you love to hang out with, but you find that every time you get together, your conversation is just full of gossip about someone else or other people in your circle, that's some shadowy behavior. The step of acceptance can take some serious time, and you have to start examining every part of your life in which even small integrity missteps might show up, where small fallacies show up. If you're not honest with yourself, you surely won't be honest with others. And getting honest is how the freedom within us begins to arise. Another good way to notice if you have moved into acceptance of your shadow is to notice when you get triggered by something. Typically, a triggering moment is a telltale sign that there's some shadow hanging around. Notice if you say something that's less than kind about someone. Notice those projections. And when you say something that's less than kind, take a moment and make it your mirror. What are you saying that's a reflection of something that you dislike within yourself? Carl Jung said, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. If you notice a triggering moment or a projection going on, call yourself out on it. That's a surefire way to speed forward into acceptance. When you feel a trigger rising, connect into your heart. Place every ounce of attention on your heart. Take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, and then as many times as you need to, hands on your heart, say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, trigger, for showing up. Thank you for showing me this projection. Watch how quickly that trigger will leave you as you thank it and send it on its way. Watch how quickly your mind will release the urge to say something unkind or react in a way that you won't be proud of when you simply say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and then allow it to float away. Keep in mind The shadow is an elusive beast, and none of us are going to be perfect in this practice. Perhaps consider spending some time documenting your shadow behaviors so that you really 
notice when they arise and you notice the things that cause these emotions to come up for you. The more that you can catch the shadow in the act, the further down this path you will be. For me, that's what cracked me wide open. I was in that seminar. I had to write it all down. I had to really face it with my own two eyes. I had to look in the mirror. And that started to, in a huge way, evoke a major change in me. So if you find yourself back at that brunch with that friend that you can get into those gossipy behaviors with, take note of that. Thank that behavior for arising and then begin to shift it. And maybe something else will come up. Maybe you'll get out of the gossip pattern and then that same friend will start talking about something. Maybe she's got a brand new job or maybe she's got a wedding coming up and you start to feel jealous or envious because you want a brand new job or you want to have a wedding or a relationship like hers. And so a new shadow arises. That's that's the thing of this. There's always going to be opportunities for little moments of darkness to arise, but we have an opportunity to thank it, release it, acknowledge, accept, and then move along. And so maybe next time you get together with that friend, there's no more gossiping, and you can have a conversation celebrating her new job or celebrating her wedding And rather than feeling jealous because you've let that feeling go, you can feel excited and your friendship begins to thrive. Okay, okay. So we are doing the shadow work. And I want to just mention, as a reminder, there is nothing to be ashamed of for you being you. The dark parts of you have to be cracked open for the light being that you are to really shine. Every bit of this universe has dark and light. The moon and the sun, night and day, the yin and the yang, the wabi, the sabi, all of it. There's duality in all of it. So the last thing I wanted to mention in this conversation today is, and the reason I want to mention this is because it's something that comes up in my programs Often, we're doing deeply spiritual work in both my Art of Lunar Living course and in my Women's Empowerment Circle courses, and that is the concept of spiritual bypassing. So if you're like, what is this? I've never heard of this. It was a term coined in the 80s by John Wellwood. He's a prominent Buddhist teacher and psychotherapist, and he defined spiritual bypassing as using spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep personal, emotional, unfinished business. So when we kind of get into this headspace of love and light, love and light, love and light, and we don't address the dark, we are spiritual bypassing. If you've heard of the concept of toxic positivity, where perhaps someone is just kind of hanging out in this space of like, it all has to be high vibes only, endlessly feeling good, because if we think about anything bad or consider the negative, then we're going to attract that into our lives. That is not how things work in this universe. Just not how it works. But people believe that, that if they don't stay in this mind frame of positivity always, then your thoughts can create your reality, and all of a sudden you're going to 
call this bad stuff into your life. So the the deep layers of spiritual bypassing truly at its core is all about avoidance and repression. So we start to repress our true feelings and perhaps not deal with the things that are really going on with us. And then all of a sudden, we're living this life of avoidance. So some signs to just pay attention to, to know if you might be doing some spiritual bypassing. Are you overly optimistic, really living in that high vibes only, and don't avoid the things that you really need to deal with? Are you detached from the reality and the situations and experiences going on around you because you're trying to stay in this positive vibes-only sort of space? When something is going on in your life that's a crisis, do you find that maybe you dive into your horoscope or you spend a lot of money on things that are spiritual practices instead of really working to feel your feelings and work through whatever might be, in fact, going on? Are you relating to the world exclusively through spiritual concepts without acknowledging reality? Do you have some anger avoidance? When you have that shadowy behavior of anger show up, is it an outburst in which you kind of lose control and then you repress it again until the next time it happens? Just some things to think about. Do you judge other people that are feeling negative emotions or having mental health challenges? Do you minimize their experiences and perhaps you say or perhaps you believe that if they only were doing the same spiritual practices you were, then they wouldn't be having those experiences? That's all spiritual bypassing. It's really a form of cognitive dissonance, and it can prevent us from actually growing in our spiritual practice. It can stunt our emotional capacity to deal with uncomfortable truths. So I encourage you to pay attention there. There are a lot of uncomfortable truths in this world, and we have to confront those. We have to work with those. And then we have to do the work to continue to grow and to make this place we live, this planet we live on, better for everyone. That is it for us today, my friends. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being willing to be in these conversations, for listening. I'll be back again next week with another interview. And if this episode resonated with you, I'd love for you to pass it along. Share it with a friend who needs to hear it. Share it on Instagram. You can tag us on Instagram at yourwoowoobff. I'm Andy at Girl, And I'm going to close the show again today with a couple of our reviews. Keep leaving reviews. You guys are amazing. You're so magical. I cannot express my gratitude enough for these reviews that are coming in. This one is from Scorpio98 over on the podcast app on iTunes. 
This one says, amazing. Andy's energy is so captivating and intriguing. I couldn't be more excited for more of these episodes. I love her vulnerability and insight. I can't wait to hear more from her and her guests. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Here we go. Let me share another one. Okay. This one is from Miss Rosita. This is a perfect show for the era we are in. I am looking forward to more episodes. This is a truly great find. I am so happy that Andy decided to do this podcast and share with the world her knowledge, beautiful energy, and inspirations. Uh, I literally cry every time I read the, read the reviews, you guys. So thank you so much. Please keep sharing. Follow us on your favorite podcast app too. That helps us a ton. And I am committed to continuing to bring you new amazing guests and these solo conversations week over week over week. And if there's something you want to hear, shoot us a DM. I want to know about it. With that, I am complete sending much gratitude to each of you for listening. See you again really soon.